Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Should the message of the church be continually the coming of the wrath of God? I think the more important message that we have is the grace and mercy that God has available to us, even in the midst of our sin, even in the midst of our rebellion. I believe that that is a more important message because again, too often the world looks at the church and says, their only message is turn or burn. You know, that's that's all I ever hear from, from these Christians and from these churches where our message needs to be, you know, God in his grace, God in his mercy wants to make himself known even when we're rebellious against him. Pastor David shows us that there should be more to our message than the fear of the wrath of God. We need to spread the word of God's mercy and grace. Because if you think about it, a relationship that is based solely on fear isn't much of a relationship at all. We must remember that God's mercy for us is so overwhelmingly large, and in His mercy, there is His love for each and every one of us sinners. In fact, God's promise comes to us even in the midst of our rebelliousness. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Isaiah as he continues his message, God's Judgment and Comfort. God's judgment had come to the northern kingdom because they had done the very same thing. When they split from the southern kingdom, almost immediately they left the worship of Yahweh, of Jehovah, the one true God. And so God's judgment came on them. Again, the Assyrians came down there and fought against them. Well, now God's judgment is coming against Judah, the lower kingdom. Even before Israel was defeated, while they were still as the northern kingdom, they started coming against the southern kingdom. It was kind of a prelude to judgment. It's kind of like, okay, I'm gonna bring some judgment to you to kind of wake you up. And so the northern kingdom, Israel, before they fell to the Assyrians, they joined with the nation of Syria. And Israel and Syria fought against Judah. Well, Israel actually defeated Judah. They took about 200,000 thousand of the people of Judah as captives. But you know what? There was a prophet by the name of Obed that went to the king of Israel and warned him, don't be doing this because again, God's judgment is going to come on you. So believe it or not, this northern king, he decides, and again, he had gone away from Yahweh, from Jehovah. He decides, okay, I, I will repent from that. So he dressed the wounds of the captives, reclothed them, and sent them back to Judah. And you would think that Ahaz would have gotten the idea and understanding. Man, if we don't change, we're going to have this kind of punishment again. God's going to deal with this again. You know, one of the things I learned when I was real young as a child 
if I did the thing that got me in trouble yesterday today, I'm probably gonna get in just as much trouble today as I got yesterday. I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer when you're growing up. The problem comes is when instruction and correction and discipline and punishment don't come right away. Let's face it, we get a little cocky as children, don't we? I got away with it, I can do it again. I got away with it, I can do it again. And on and on we go. And so instead of recognizing that it was the grace, the mercy, and the long-suffering of God that was allowing them to continue to even exist, Ahaz just, again, he began getting worse and worse. And so again, it continued on. Uh, He didn't learn his lesson. As a matter of fact, he was determined that he was going to team up with the Assyrians, the ones that actually came and defeated Israel. He decided he was going to go to them and, and, and he would partner up with them. And so he asked the Assyrians to help him fight against Israel and Syria, the other nation. Well, Salmanasser of Assyria he was able to, again, destroy the northern kingdom, take him over, destroying their capital city of Samaria in 722. And so long as Ahaz reigned, the kingdom of Judah had pretty much peace with Assyria. Well, as long as they continued to pay financial tribute to Assyria, that's not the kind of relationship that you want to have. Because eventually, when they decided they weren't, then Assyria started coming out again. Not a positive friendship. Ahaz was a wicked king. He continued to lead the people of Judah away from God during his reign. After Ahaz died, his son, Hezekiah, gained the throne and desired, once again, to turn the nation back to God. You know, it's only in the southern kingdom that we see any godly kings at all. And not all of them were godly. Some of them were downright wicked like Ahaz. But here we have Hezekiah desires for the revival. You got your Bibles with you. Remember how I told you Sunday, I really want you to bring your Bible so that you can look through it with me. We're gonna do a couple of uh, uh, lookarounds before we get into Isaiah because I want you to get, again, the fullness of the understanding of what this prophet is against as he's trying to proclaim the word of God to a nation that's up and down, back and forth, hot and cold as, as compared to their relationship with God. Look with me, if you would, in the book of Second Kings. 2 Kings chapter 18. This is dealing with Hezekiah as the king of Israel. 2 Kings chapter 18, down in verse three, we see that Hezekiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. Well, his great, great, great grandfather. He was in the line of David. Verse four, he removed the high places and he broke the sacred pillars and he cut down the wooden images. Verse five, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him there was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. Well, there was a little hiccup along the way in Hezekiah's life. We know that he wasn't perfect, but again, he was one of the good kings. Now, the unfortunate thing, he was the one that was counseled 
to go ahead and rebel against Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. Remember, they're, they're paying tribute to Assyria. And instead of just cutting off the tribute to Assyria and saying, look, we are God's people. We pay tribute to no man because we worship the one true God. No, he decided he was going to trust in horses and chariots, and he went down to Egypt and in essence said, hey, look, we're going to cut our ties with Assyria. It's probably going to be a big war. We need you guys to help us and come and fight against them. Again, it did not work out well and the threat of the Assyrians remained. It's at this point that the prophet Isaiah comes to Hezekiah, encourages him, says, look, don't fear, but you need to trust in the Lord. Now, according to the account in in 2 Kings uh, chapter 19, as Hezekiah did turn and, and put his trust in God, the judgment of God then fell against the Assyrian army and 185,000 of their men were killed in battle. Sennacherib never recovered from that, from the shock of the disaster in Judah, and he made no more expeditions against either the southern kingdom of Judah or against Egypt. It pretty well did him in. And we find that uh, soon from the Assyrians, they are defeated by the Babylonians. Now the Babylonians become the major power of that time. So as we look at this, the remaining years of Hezekiah's reign were peaceful. And yet once again, he passes away and his son Manasseh came to the throne. And once again, Paganism was encouraged, and it is believed, as I said earlier, that it was during Manasseh's reign that he literally cut Isaiah right up the middle and just took his life. So here in Judah, that southern kingdom, we have all of this political and spiritual struggles, all these ups and downs. We have the declines as well as the good times. All of that, Isaiah is the prophet that remained faithful to continue to proclaim the message of God's warning against the people, but also the promises to God. Within that same time frame of Isaiah, we have Hosea and Micah. And again, they shared the same kind of message, the kind of message that says the judgment of God is fast approaching. You need to turn now, you need to repent, and then you will see the grace and the mercy of God act on your behalf as well as his protective hand over you. Beloved, that's the message that our nation needs to hear, I believe, from every pulpit across our nation, from home churches to mega churches, that we as a nation need to turn. And you know what? It starts within the house of God. We cannot be playing church and believe that God is going to be satisfied with us going through ritual and through ceremony without really and truly giving him our whole heart. Because again, the most detestable thing that we read in the word of God is when the people of God were playing church. Remember his word says, man, you might as well just shut the door, turn out the lights, because I'm not pleased with it at all. God wants our hearts, not just the busyness, not just the activity. Well, God had promised to Judah this glorious kingdom. He had made these covenantal promises with Abraham and then with Moses and then with David. 
However, just as the, the word of Moses points out, God's blessing were only going to be available if his people, if his people continued to walk in his ways and not turn to the gods of the pagan nations. Guys, outside of the church are the lost and the dying. God does not expect them to live righteously or to live holy or to live dedicated to him. But you know what? He does expect that of you and I. He expects that of you and I because we call him our God and the world around us looks at us who are the church, both individual and corporately. The world looks at us and says, I don't see anything different within the church. I see the same kind of issues going on in lives. I see the same kind of problems going on. I see them responding and acting. I I hear the words and, and the world outside, unfortunately, doesn't see that change. The church needs to change. Again, the whole idea of going back to Deuteronomy. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, that's when I'm gonna hear from heaven. That's when I'm gonna heal your land. And I believe that God can and will do that. But you know what? If the church doesn't catch fire, Spiritually, that is, in case our insurance company is listening. If the church doesn't catch fire, I believe that that protective hand of God is going to continue to be drawn further and further away. Back to Isaiah. The book of Isaiah seems to pretty much have one major theme and add multiple sub-themes with it. The major theme, I think, above all others, the overarching uh, theme is the sovereignty and the mighty hand of an almighty God. Because God is working a plan, his plans out and his purposes out. And sometimes, you know what? He's gonna work them out in spite of you, in spite of I, in order that his will might be done. The sovereign and the mighty hand of almighty God. We see it in his warnings that his wrath is going to be poured out upon disobedience. But we also see it in his relaying of the faithful promises that God had. Even in the midst of the wickedness of the kings of Israel and Judah, even in the midst of a climate that that didn't seem to care about God at all, God gives his promises. There's going to be a child that's going to be born. Unto you a son is given. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. God's promise comes right in the midst of their disobedience. It's kind of like, if you guys would only get your act together, I have so much I want to do in your life. Isaiah's focus totally on who God is, his activities and his promises. And throughout the pages of Isaiah, we see the reality of coming judgment, but we also see the hope of renewal and reconciliation. Should the message of the church be continually the coming of the wrath of God? I think the more important message that we have is the grace and mercy that God has available to us, even in the midst of our sin, even in the midst of our rebellion. I believe that that is a more important message because, again, too often the world looks at the church and says, their only message is turn or burn. 
You know, that, that's all I ever hear from, from these Christians and from these churches where our message needs to be, you know, God in his grace, God in his mercy wants to make himself known even when we're rebellious against him. And then let God begin changing hearts. What I don't want to see is people's lives being changed on the outside with no reality of God on the inside. Then we just become really religious. And beloved, there's a lot of really religious people that are headed for an eternity in hell. I started to say, okay, I'll stop preaching, but I'm not. I'm, I've got more to go. So, in, in Isaiah's declaration of God, we, we find out that, that Isaiah, very, very quickly, we realize that Isaiah understands that God is, is far from and far above his creation, and yet at the same time, he remains intimately involved in that ongoing life of his creation. He is the great God who is enthroned in the heavens, and yet he knows your heart, and he's working in your heart, and he's speaking in yours, and he's encouraging and strengthening and covering and protecting us in ways we we can't even begin to imagine. That's the greatness of the God that Isaiah is trying to make known to the people of Judah. In describing the, the majesty and the place of God throughout all of his creation, Isaiah uses a, a multiple of particular phrases and words. And I don't want to be cumbersome on this. I don't want to be uh, you know, prolonging this thing. But as I looked at these things, I thought, man, how, what, a, what a powerful message it is if we would just pause long enough to hear the message. We read in Isaiah the phrase, the Holy One of Israel. We read it at least 25 different times throughout the book, as well as the phrase, the God of Israel, and that's in there another 12 times. Guys, these are, these are proclamations. These are statements, again, of the fact that God is the God, the one true God of Israel, rather they recognize him or not. Just like we could talk to uh, those that, that are outside of faith, those that are lost, God created you. You know, God loves you. Whether they believe it or not, it's the truth. We need to be truth tellers, even if they don't accept it. Jehovah, Yahweh, is the God of Israel. Yes, even today. The second thing that we see that Isaiah does, he uses the what's called the covenantial name for God. Uh, it's first given in the book of Exodus, that name Yahweh. He actually uses it no less than 300 times throughout the book of Isaiah. Those 66 chapters, 300 times. Now, you guys that are math pros, you could do all the division, the multiplication, carrying one, dividing by seven, and find out how many that averages out in those 66 books, 300 times. But I, just with my little brain, I'm thinking, man, that's a lot of times within 66 different books. And he's declaring that covenantial name. What does that mean that he would say Yahweh more than just the God in heaven? Yahweh was the way that God introduced himself to the people of Israel that they would know that he is over all, above all, and more powerful than all things. The great, 
the mighty, the self-sustaining, self-sufficient one. And as Isaiah is declaring this to the people who are rebelling against him, he's saying, look, you know, you guys are making gods and worshiping them. You need to turn back to the one true God who he himself is self-existent and he made and formed you and he sustains your life, Yahweh. He also uses the name El Shaddai, the Lord Almighty, 50 different times. And then he uses the compound of that saying, the Lord, the Lord Almighty. Again, just re-emphasizing the strength and the power of God. He does that about, about 10 times. He uses El Shaddai 50 times within the book and then adds to it, the Lord, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah then directly quotes the, the voice or the words of God as he declares four different occasions as he speaks that God says, I am God. Remember what Moses at the burning bush, who shall I say sent me? Tell them I am has sent you, that self-sufficient one. We understand that in the life of Christ, the ministry of Christ, the I am's of Christ, declaring once again his deity, uh, the, the power of that word, I am God. Isaiah visits these themes also, uh, the theme of uh, establishment of justice. We see that throughout the book. We see that God is the sustainer of peace. 26 different times within the the writings, he comes back to that theme. Uh, That God is the source of our joy. 30 different times within his writing there, uh, he brings that. And the second half of the book, chapters 40 through 66, or actually about 63, the book is 66 chapters long, but in chapters 41 through 63, Isaiah brings out the fact that God's desire, God's overarching desire is for reconciliation. God wants people reconciled to himself. He wants to renew his relationship with his people, the people who he chose over all nations of the earth. He chose Israel, not not because Israel was special, not because they were more talented or better than anyone else. No, as a matter of fact, God tells Israel elsewhere, he says, you know what? I chose you because you were the least among the nations. I chose you because people would look at you and say, it's gotta be God because you can't do that. I look at that and I think, it's gotta be God that's even called me in the ministry. Gosh, if you guys knew me before, you would think, are you kidding me? I, I barely made it out of high school. Did you know that? Four points. By four points, I made it out of high school. If I was four points less, I would have had to uh, go back through again my senior year. I wasn't going to go to college, and yet the Lord moved on some friends of mine to persuade me to go to college. I said, I'm, I'm not college material. Are you kidding me? I was ready to work with my hands the rest of my life, and I understood I, I could do that, and yet they continued to pester me until I finally got into college, and guess what? When I got into college that first semester, in fact, the first day I went to register, that's when I met my wife. So that's the hand of God, just the way God works. Now, if you want to hear something really strange, I was able to cram my four years of education into nine, okay? And at the, at the end of those nine years, now this is really scary, I got an elementary school certificate.
As our time with you today winds down, we'd like to share where you can listen to today's message again. You'll find this and other teachings from Pastor David and The Open Word at theopenword.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you never miss an edition of the program. Right now, let's turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick message from the heart. Hello, friend. I'm so glad you joined in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. He's the reason I teach every week at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. I want as many people as possible to know and believe the message of the gospel. If you'd like to know more about what Jesus' life and death means to you, I'd encourage you to call us. We have some great people here who would love to pray with you and answer your questions. Our number is 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. Know that I'm praying for you too, and I value you greatly as a listener and brother or sister in Christ. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to invite you to come see us in person as well at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. We have services every Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday, and you'll be able to find more information at theopenword.com. Just click the church link at the bottom of the page. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Join us next time to continue our journey through the Bible, right here on The Open Word. Make us more.